It's great to see you this morning. We started a series a few weeks back called Deconstruction. And um, so we, we're in this today talking about a perspective change. But we did a memory verse. Does anybody know what the memory verse was? Romans 12, 2. Okay, so we're going to do a little bit of this this morning. I, I put more blanks in there just to help you. Just to help you a little bit, right? Okay, so um, we got some scholars around here so that they can, they can help you. They're, they're cheerleaders in this section to help you out. So here, okay, you go. Romans 12, 2. Let's say it together. Be world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, easy, perfect. Good. Now, scale of one to ten, that was a great two. It was awesome. Okay, it was good. We're gonna get there, and then this this is week number three, I think maybe. All right, so let's do it one more time. Just because, man, listen, I believe in. I, I'm not great at it. I'll just be honest. I mean, anybody not good at scripture memorization? Anybody? Can I have just somebody with me? I got one or two. Okay, good. That, that, we're friends. Okay, it's hard to memorize scripture. I'm, I'm north of like 18. I can I used to remember this stuff quickly. Now I've just got to beat it in my head all the time to do it to get there. But Oh, it's such a weapon. It's such a good offensive weapon against the, the enemy. And to have this, and, and this is really a good life verse for all of us. Okay, so let's say this again. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Amen. Yes, that was about a six. That's good. Okay, so next week we're looking for eight or nine. Okay, and we may even get a testimony or two and have some of you up here saying that verse and just having a real rock solid. Now, right there, just killed the attendance next week. Okay, all right, super. All right, that, that's awesome. Yeah, memory verse, that's great. All right, so today, let me just share with you the big idea for today. We've been talking about a transformed life. We're talking about a perspective change. Today's big idea is this. A life transformed is this. One who lives, sold out to Jesus, lives in the Spirit of God, and lives for others no matter race, status, or who they used to be. Now, I love the song we just sang, I Am Redeemed. Because I'm not who or what I used to be. But if we're all honest, Satan likes to kick that up to you, doesn't he? He likes to remind you how uh, maybe good you were or how bad you were. Right? Satan likes to kick that up for you just to remember. Oh man, I used to do this. Okay? But a life transformed. Man, listen, we're, we're living for others. And in Brenda McNeil and Richard Richardson's book, The Heart of Racial Justice, they wrote this. Today's young people, listen, have grown up in a, in a multicultural and multi-ethnic world. And they have a great spiritual hunger. They have seen the results of shattered relationships, family brokenness. Racial and ethnic hatred, wars and terrorism, to name a few. They want a different path of reconciliation, mutual respect and understanding. A path that leads to connection. What a powerful statement. And if we look at the word karyos, it's a transliteration for a word, time. Time. I mean, there, there's so many things we can look at. I think I've got some things up on the screen here for time. I think on the next slide I may have, have some things there. The right time. The set time. The opportune time. The strategic time. The decisive time. Do you feel 
that we're in a specific time right now, ever more so. I think COVID-19 was one of those moments was just part of the tipping point, got us there, right? And now with all this going on, we're in an opportune time, a strategic time. It's a time right now that we can really press into not being conformed, being transformed, knowing what is His will, and living as the church that God's created us to be, the people of God, the remnant, to press into this karyos, this specific time, a defining moment right now. And we have a time right now where we can really step into that moment. Or we could not. We have an opportunity right now either to fight, flight, or engage. And I like the word engage. We have, a, we have a time right now where we can just engage the culture as we need to, to make a cultural difference right now. And not only for just now, but for long term. See, soul change leads to social change. How many of you in here want to see your communities, your state, your nation change for the better. Everybody. Yeah. I mean, there's there's grandparents in here, I promise you, are ready to grab your grandkids and head to the, the, the biggest exit to go somewhere else in the world. Some of them are. I mean, they're, they're ready to wrangle everybody up and, hey, let's go to another country. Let's go across the border somewhere else and live there because, boy, this place is getting terrible. Right? But really, let's change our perspective. It's an opportunity. I said that weeks ago. This is an opportunity for us to step into. Soul change leads to social change. Now look at this picture. I saw this yesterday by a friend of mine. I thought it was a great graphic. It was a great graphic. Here's a heart until you fix it here and address it here in the house. And we can also put the church. Nothing changes there in the world. Unless you address it here, change it here, or fix it here, address it in your home, it's not going to change out there. See, a lot of this has to do with action. A lot of this has to do with us doing things. It has, has us to press into what we've been taught. Okay? And in a lot of ways, we're far more educated above the level of our obedience. And I said that really fast. In a lot of ways, we are far more educated above the level of our obedience. Can I get an amen? Got two or three. Okay. Yes. Until we fix it here, dress it on, it won't change out there. We've been talking about Deuteronomy 6, the Shema. We've been talking about that teaching the homes as you rise, you go through your day and you go to bed. One of my favorite scriptures, but it's that, it's that teaching. It's teaching of the heart. See, soul change leads to social change, but it's the heart. It gets down to the heart of things. So I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's look at 14 to 16. Verses 14 to 16. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 16. And don't you stand and let's read his word together. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. The reading of his word. For the love of Christ compels us, 
Since we have reached this conclusion, if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. This verse right here in 16 is what I landed on that just kept marinating in my spirit. Now listen, this is the CSB translation. So here's what it says. From now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know Him in this way. Wow. We no longer know anyone from a worldly perspective. Let's pray. Father, just speak to us in the Scripture today. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. This message will not be long today. You'll be, be home in time by 3 o'clock to have lunch. So um, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Listen, God, God just pressed that on my heart. Listen, He just spoke because I have the message I'm going to pray. I was preaching today, I'm going to do next week. And it's talking about abiding in Christ. Something we need to do desperately because that's how we, we can get that heart change. But today it just really pressed on me. We need a perspective change because we're, we're really on polar opposite ends of the spectrum of this life. There is really no middle ground. We're, we're either or. We don't see that today. In, in that particular verse of Scripture just leapt right at me. We don't know anyone from a worldly perspective. We have a new set of lenses on. We look through different lenses. First thing we're going to see in verse 14 is a change in your motivation. That's the first thing we're going to see in, in verse 14. I'm going to read it again. For the love of Christ compels us since we have reached this conclusion. If one died for all, then all died. Compels. Here, here's what compels means. To hold something together. To hold something together. To control. To cause to act in a certain way. To urge. To rule or to dwell. Listen to that again. Verse 14. For the love of Christ holds everything together. Isn't that good? For the love of Christ holds everything together. That's what moves us. It's His love for us, and we now He's holding us together. See, Christ's love, we'll give you a few things here, and it's not on the screen. Christ's love restrains us from self seeking and self serving. Christ's love keeps us from self-seeking and self-serving. It's not about us. We're going to see that in another verse. But it's launching from right here. Christ's love compels us. It moves us. It changes us. And that's how we ebb and flow and move in this, in this world. But it compels us. Christ's love also confines us to one supreme allegiance. Are you going to be allegiant to yourself, your nation, the world? Or are you going to be allegiant to Jesus alone? Now that's a big one. Because in our perspective in certain things in this world, we're going to kick into a worldly perspective instead of His perspective. And we're going to become self-seeking, self-serving instead of being compelled and held together by His love. And now live in that paradigm as we talked about last week. Christ's love also says, governs us so that we what? We live for Him. Christ's love motivates us to love and serve others without prejudice. And love trumps our love for money. And no, no pun intended on that, that word, okay? Please, please forgive me for that word. Okay? But Christ's love trumps our love for money and possession, status, control, and power. 
His love compels us because now it's no longer about control and power and, and, and status and prestige and the things that I wear and how I look. It's all about Him. It's His. It's His love. It's His love for me, His love for you, and His life that He wants to give me that's abundant and full and free. I am redeemed. You set me. Boy, I got a few with me today. I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to have to walk down some aisles, I guess. We can get, we can get, get that going. I'm teasing. Been set free. See, sometimes we have this love for money, possessions, and things that we have, and, and, and our reputation, so to say, more so than we have really in the allegiance for Christ. And really what we're looking at that more so than Him. So the first thing we see is there's a change in our motivation. The change in motivation is now Him, allegiance to Jesus. Allegiance to King Jesus. Bottom line. Verse 15. And He died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. I said this a moment ago. Christ died for us. He's redeemed us by the sacrifice of going to the cross and then conquering the grave. He's paid the ultimate penalty. He paid the ultimate price on the cross for you and for me that we can never do for each other or for ourselves. He did it. So that in this verse we would live for one another. Now take any snapshot of any screenshot of the TV and social media over the last three days and what do you see? Do you see people living for others as Christ would? I said this a while ago. One, one, of, the, one of the things that Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple... You've had, you have to deny yourself. You have to pick up your cross and then follow me. If, if you want to be my disciple, that's the, that's the three things you've got to do. And the first thing, I, I was told the man this morning, the first, very first thing he says is deny self. Who in here wants to just, well, I want to deny myself every day. I just wake up, I can't wait to deny myself. Well, that's a battle. That's a battle. Deny yourself because that's the thing we've been taught has been ingrained in us all these years of growing up. It's about you. I've said this before. When your child comes into this world, they come, you come in this world with a hand like this. Mine. And you've got to teach them over and over to pry the fingers open to be like this, to give. And I'm afraid many of us have never gotten out of that stage. It's still mine. But he's telling us here, listen, our, Christ's love compels us to live for other people. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. See, if he's changed our motivation, then the motivation in the second part of this becomes selfless. You're thinking more about the other person. You're thinking about others more so than you are, or you are yourself. See, God has created, listen, if we can get this one thing, I think this will help us. I believe it's Genesis 1.27. God has created everyone in His image. Do you and I see everyone that we come in contact with, television, social media, here at church, outside of the community, that don't look like us, think like us, smell like us, have things like us, do we view them as an image bearer of God? 
If so, the motivations change, right? If so, the motivation changes. See, others focus. What would he give us? Love God and what? Love? Yeah, that's for you to kind of talk like that. Say, love God and then love others. There we go. Good. Whew, man, it's tough today. Then we get all the one another's, right? Serve one another, love one another, outdo one another in love. All the one another's. So we get so many, 50 some odd, you know, something like that in the scripture. See, our motivations change, and then we change in who we live for. So begs our question today, who are you living for? Are you living for you, or are you living for God, and living for others? And in this moment of time, we have an opportunity to step into that as a church and to say, okay, enough's enough. But not without running out there like just wild Indians, so to say, but to step back and go, Father, help me. Pray, then respond. Too many times as we see it, we just respond. Instead of what did Jesus do with everything that he did? I'll be back in a little bit. I gotta go talk to my Heavenly Father. I gotta pray. If there's one thing we need to do now, is that's our response as the church, is we need to get down on our faces before the Lord, Father, heal the land, change hearts, change our motivations, help us to live for others no matter what status, no matter what complexion, no matter what race, no matter what nationality. It doesn't, hey, listen, Father, Father, break my heritage of what I've been taught about people, whether it's right or wrong. Help me. Help me to see your perspective. Help me see what you're, you're wanting me to live this life for, who it is, and how it's supposed to be. Change my perspective because I may have grown up in a home that's very prejudiced. I, I may have grown up in a home that's very racial. Let's be honest. Help us to see others. As image bearers of God. He created them all. And then thirdly, verse 16, we've read it. Read it again. From now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know Him in this way. Change in your perspective. Okay, motivation, changing who you live for. Third is change in your perspective. See, our evaluations change from a worldly set of eyes to a transformed view through the eyes of Jesus. If we're followers of Jesus, that's what we're doing. We're changing. We're, we're getting a new prescription in our lenses. And, and, and we're seeing something a little more clearly, a little bit differently in, in Jesus' eyes instead of our own worldly perspective. See, the, the Jew and the Gentile division was less important for Jesus than the Christian unbeliever distinction. Say that one more time. The Jew and Gentile division, hear me, was less important than really the, the believer unbeliever. When we're looking at people on TV and we're seeing all this stuff going, we know it's deep down in the heart that all this is coming out and then the responses is coming from the heart. We're looking at them or we look at them as like, oh, they're a certain race, certain color people, certain nationality. Or we're seeing them in the fact that, oh, Father, they don't know you. 
They're not walking with you. They're, they're, they're walking as an unbeliever would walk anyway. We shouldn't be surprised. But then you take the moment and say, Father, man, forgive them. As Jesus did on the cross, they know not what they do. See, in Colossians 3.11, it says, In Christ there's not Greek and, and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Romans 2, 28 and 29. For a person is not a Jew who is one outwardly, and true circumcision is not something visible in the flesh. On the contrary, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is of the heart, by the Spirit, not the letter. That person's praise is not from people, but from God. It's the heart. It's not, not looking at all of that, it's, it's, it's the heart. One thing that I found very interesting in this passage, we see this, from now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. And then we see known Christ, or we no longer know Him in this way. There's two different, there's two different Greek words in the word know in this passage. And I think it's very interesting. When we see this first perspective, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective, is, is pronounced etha, it's, it's spelled O-I-D-A. And it's to have seen or perceived, and it's what I've labeled is as our perceptive reality of someone. How many believe we have a perceptive reality of people? Okay? Case in point right here. Forgive me, this is a terrible example, but it is one. No matter what end of any kind of spectrum you're on, politically speaking, there's probably not anything anybody can do that can change your perspective of them. There's probably people in your life that have grown up a certain way and you go, man, that ain't no, I, you, just, you got there that perceptive reality of them and there's not a whole lot that you can do to change that perception. That's what this first one is. It's just, it, it comes with, the Greek word comes with perception. But here's, here's the interesting thing about gnoso, um, it means ever growing. The second word is ever growing. Okay? Continual growing and understanding that can only be given by the Holy Spirit. That's the different one about Jesus. See, the transformation that happens when Jesus died changes because from that moment on, we do not see the world in the same way. When you and I came to Jesus Christ, when you and I surrendered our life, when you and I decided, hey, listen, I'm going to deny myself, I'm going to pick up my cross, I'm going to follow you, that all of a sudden, day by day by day by day by day, our perceptions of the world change. Everything started looking different only because of Him. And the Spirit residing in us kept telling us and kept tweaking us and kept changing our perception and kept changing our mindset, right? To live for Him. And that changed at that moment. And see, when we move from a perceptive reality to an ever-growing understanding of love toward that person, that's, that's important. Is that oh, the benefit of the doubt, maybe? Say that, say that word. Listen, you and I have been radically changed by God's love. All of us. And you may say, well, I've not done this or this or this or this. But, not your comparison with other people, but in light of Christ. People need Jesus. See, we don't evaluate people by the world standards of race, wealth, appearance, or social status. You remember the, the, the story in the Bible when they were when Sam was looking for a king? Okay, God told him to go to Jesse's house. 
And you know the little guy named David that kind of had a sling and five stones? You know that guy that's in the story? Remember him? Okay. He had brothers. Well, here's, here's the man that got in there to look for that particular individual. And he's going through every single brother. Not the one. Not the one. Not him. They were thinking because of the outward appearance. But it was only because of David. God was looking for the heart. God was looking for that one that could be close to him, who followed him, that, that knew him. And that's the one that he was going to select and choose as their king. David was the one. And it says, listen, all you look for outward appearances. The Lord looks at the heart. Sometimes we're looking on the outside. See, knowledge from a worldly point of view has given place to knowledge in the light of the cross. When a person becomes a Christian, he or she experiences a total restructuring of life that alters their whole fabric. They're thinking, they're feeling, they're willing, and they're acting. Only the power of the cross, only the life and death and resurrection of Jesus and Nazareth can open the way of life, hope, and reconciliation. Only that can do that. Only the power of the cross, only the life and death and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth can open the way of life, hope, and reconciliation. Our children's student leaders over the last six, seven weeks have been doing a Zoom meeting once a week. And we've been going through a book titled Resilient. And some of you may have it in hand and you may not have it in hand. And if you don't have it in hand, you'll probably get it in hand. It's a really good book. But there's a chapter that's radical love. And, and the title of the chapter was Could Radical or Would Radical Love Have Saved Nicholas Cruz? The Park on Shoot. Great chapter. Great chapter talking about radical love. Let me read just a few paragraphs out of this out of this particular book. It says the hope for our culture is found in the way of Jesus, the living out of the redemptive work of the gospel. But and this is a huge but. We must remember how to love radically. Radical love is salvation, redemption, repurpose, redirection, accompaniment, and championing. It is the beauty of the gospel alive through the church. A couple of hours a week in the presence of caring adults who show God's radical love in their community to each and every child can change everything. Even chance encounters can carry the power to life change. Here, here's, here's the final statement in that chapter. Radical love could be the fearless future of faith if we just remember how. Could, could, by right now, in this moment in time, could radical love make a difference in our nation today? If we were to seize the moment, if we were to get on our hands and knees and pray to, to, to God the Father to say, heal our land, and we move in ebb and flow with a radical love as we ebb and flow in, in people's lives, could it change our society? One thing we know is that Zechariah 4.6 says, Hey, not by my, pie, my, my might or by my power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It's not in what we do. It's not our might, not our power. It's by the Spirit of God. Perspective change. See, you and I can't fall in the trap 
in this day and time of which we live in. And I'm going to insert this one. You know, the other meme on Facebook here lately is, is put Facebook, an actor, but it says that um, uh, something like racism isn't getting worse, it's only being filmed. You and I have a phone. And at the disposal of those things happening, it just it gets pulled out and then all of a sudden there's this filming that goes on of everything that's going on in life. And then post it for all to see. During this time, do not, listen, Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good Pleasing, perfect, good God. Can we say that together one time? Just remembering it won't be up on the screen. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. We all need a perspective change. Only God can do that. Only God can do heart surgery for us to make that change happen. In how we see people, how we see God in our life, how we see people. Love Him, we'll love people. We love Him, we'll love people. If we have a very different perspective of God, not so much on that people part of it. It all goes hand in hand. Love God, love people. May we live as a church with radical love for each other and those out there. Let's pray. Father, this morning, all across this room, each person in this room touches a life every day that many of us in here don't touch. They are your hands and feet. They are the witness, the light, the testimony in the community. Oh, Father, may we not see people May we not know them through a worldly perspective, but may we, since we've been transformed by the renewing of our mind and because we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, may we now engage our culture with a proper perspective and a witness and a gospel message. And the gospel message is simply this, that God, that, that you, you love this world, that you, you sent your only son to die for it. You sent your only son, your best, to build the bridge so that we, we can have a life eternal with you. Father, I pray for our nation. I pray for our cities and throughout the state and through the nation. And Father, I also pray that as our perspective has changed, I pray that we will engage because now, now it's time that we start engaging the culture instead of backing up and backing up and backing up and backing up. It's time for us to engage culture. It's time for us to move forward, raising the banner of the good news of you, Jesus. All this I lift up.